this morning while we plastered on the front door of the house of God. If God is not your God, you can't come in. Reality is a personal aspiration for God. Now I notice there's a divine order here because the second one can never come apart from the first one. A personal aspiration for God. Second, he had a present anticipation for God to see thy power and thy glory so as I've seen thee in a sanctuary. Sporting events sell out. The Super Bowl last week sold out. I mean paid, I think the, the tickets went four and five thousand, six thousand dollars a piece for somebody to go home happy and for somebody to go home sad. If you watch, if your team uh, won, you're happy. If your team lost, you're sad. But I want you to know they sell out because people anticipate a victory. They're anticipating their team to be victorious. And so there's, a, there's an anticipation there to that victory. All this morning, we come with a present anticipation for God. Oh, they, they love to expect a victory. David here writing in the psalmist said he anticipated witnessing God's power and glory in the sanctuary. And we can witness that same power and glory here today. Number one, with the presence of God. Glory and honor in thy presence. Strength and gladness are in his place. Psalmist said, serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Well, I want you to know that we can enjoy the presence of God this morning. Second, we can enjoy the preaching of God's word. How then should they call on him whom they've not believed? And how should they believe in him whom they've not heard? And how should they hear without a preacher? Reality is the preaching of the word of God. And it's not about a man. I'm not putting myself on a pedestal, don't you? Let's put God on a pedestal and leave everybody off. But the reality is God says, through the foolishness of preaching to seek and say, not foolish preaching, but the foolishness of preaching. See, the world will never understand how the preaching of the word of God changes lives. How many of you got saved under the sound of a preacher? Amen. I did too. Praise God. An old man of God got and preached on the prodigal son. And that wasn't me. That was my brother. And, uh, and he might be listening this morning. While he's a preacher, I'm thinking about my brother. He was all in trouble. I, that was him. But then the preacher got on the son that stayed home. And he said something that blew my mind. He said, he's as wicked and lost as the prodigal was. And he to be saved. And I said, oh my gosh, that's me. Boy, that day God graciously saved my soul. And I'll bless his good name. Notice we can witness the power and the glory in the sanctuary through the people of God. Trophies 
of God's grace. Look around this morning. Trophies of God's grace. God saved some of you from a dope needle. God saved some of you from an alcoholic stupor. God saved some of you from a prison cell. God saved some of you off a church pew. Lost and undone and deceived. And guess what? This morning, if you're not saved, he'll save you. Even if you happen to be a person of prominence, like a Sunday school teacher, a preacher's wife, or, or, or some position in the church, God will save you if you're lost. Because it ain't about position, it's about salvation. 1990, Brother Sexton wrote a tent. During that tent meeting, over 200 church members, 200 church members, deacons, Sunday school teachers, got saved. And it turned this county upside down in 1990. Closest thing we've ever come to revival. But you look around, isn't it amazing how one person can testify and change the atmosphere of a service? I'm reminded of a woman who came in where Jesus was. Bible says in John 12, 3, then, then took Mary a pound of ointment of spignard very costly and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet. Boy, that's wonderful. And with her hair. And the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Can I be so bold as how do you smell? How people get around you, how do you smell? I'm not talking about the cologne or perfume you got on. I'm talking about your attitude. I'm talking about your demeanor. I'm talking about how you act. You leave a sweet smell. Boy, I was glad to see them this morning. Boy, they encouraged me this morning. Boy, I, I, I see Miss Frances and she, she's always, she encourages me. Oh, yeah, I, some people just encourage you. But you know, some people, uh, I just smell. They don't smell good because their attitude's bad. Because you're not, they're not, they're not showing, they're not sharing a joy. They're not showing any kindness. And so they just don't smell right. Mary poured, broke up box and the, the odor filled the room. Everybody knew she was there. And everybody knew she was worshiping. And everybody knew what she was doing. And everybody said, Wow. That crowd, they didn't like that because she was worshiping. So we find the people of God, trophies of God's grace. I'm talking about a God consciousness. Oh, what about the promises of God? Let's therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. How many of you have bowed in an old-fashioned order on a Sunday morning needing help, needing something from God, and he showed up right on time, and you left saying, man, I was glad I went to the house of God today. 
Oh, what about the purpose of God? For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. Every time somebody gets saved by the grace of God, it's because somebody became conscious of a holy God dealing with them. Every time a born-again believer got right with God, it was because of a God consciousness in that heart. I went to a service one night just to get some little signs that went up on the door. And the preacher said, you're going to stay for the service, aren't you? I said, why, yes. I had no intention to stay at that service. I just wanted the plaques is all I wanted. But I sat there and he preached a message about the axe head that fell off the handle. He said, where fell it? And all of a sudden in the back of that church, about halfway up, well, God was just wiring me out. I mean, just, just all of a sudden, I didn't see him slipping beside me, but he was there preaching, where fell your prayer? Where fell your tears? Where fell your desire? Where fell it? Boy, I said, you shut up. I'll go to the altar and get right with God. He finally shut up and boy, I made a beeline for that altar. Never forget that service. You know why? Because there's a God consciousness. Let me, everybody look this way. Let me tell you the person that will not leave any different than what you come with. And that's the person that God never speaks to or the person that never hears what he has to say. There's no God consciousness. Boy, preacher, that's a good message. Thank you, preacher, that's a good message. But you walk out the back door with never a consciousness that God has met with us today. A present anticipation for God. I'm looking for God to save that lost soul. I'm looking, I'm looking for God to save someone's like that Saul of Tarsus. I Christians, I'm going to destroy everyone I get my hands on. Now Damascus Road, he ran into God and God said, now what you going to do, big boy? Hey, big boy, what you going to do now? He said, Lord, I just believe I'll just serve you. What would you have me to do, Lord? I'm looking for God to save that one that your heart is that hard. I'm, in, I'm looking, I'm, I'm expecting, I'm looking for God to do that. Not because of you, but because of Him. Because if He can break and shatter the heart of a soul of Tarsus, He can shatter the hard heart of every person sitting here today. Do you understand Oh, do you understand why you sit where you're at? He knows every corner of your heart. He can shatter that thing in a moment's notice. Notice with me number three. Third step. God, number one, personal aspiration for God. 
That will lead you to number two, a present anticipation for God. It will lead you to number three, a persistent appreciation for God. Because thy loving kindness, because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. Because thou hast been my help, therefore in the shadow of thy wings will I rejoice. When a man says something is better than life, he's got a healthy appreciation for it. Boy, why would David say that God's loving kindness is better than life? Wow, what a statement. He said God's loving kindness is better than the totality of my life. Here's why. Life is a result of the action of two people. God's loving kindness is all because of him. What he's saying, when you don't act right, he still loves you. When you don't do right, he still loves you. When you fall short of his grace, he still loves you. When you act like a heathen, he still loves you. When you show yourself, he still loves you. His love doesn't change because of the way you act. He still loves you. Wow. Loving kind, life is unpredictable. God's loving kindness is unchanging. I've had people down through the years, boy, pastor, I sure do love you. A few months later, get sideways, they stop loving me. I don't know why I'm a lovable person. If you get to know me, I'm really lovable. So it bother hurts me when you laugh like that. But I really am lovable. But the reality is, they said, well, we love you, pastor, till they got sideways, got mad, got upset. Because I'm not one to do what you want me to do. I'm going to try to do what God wants me to do. But I love this. God loved me yesterday. He loves me today. What's amazing to me is as sorry as I am, when I wake up in the morning, He'll still love me. There's some of you sitting here, you've so detached yourself from everything around you. And you just become isolated to the point that nobody can love you. There ain't but one problem. You can't block him out. You can't box him up out of your life. And as ordinary and as contrary as you are, he still loves you. And he'll love you tomorrow. How many understand we all get contrary and sideways sometimes? Sometimes we all act like idiots. Try it. Just go ahead and say amen. You'll be in good company. But you know what? Tomorrow he'll love me. And then Tuesday, he'll love me again. I, I could be so bold as to tell you, next Sunday ain't got here yet, but he'll still love me. Amen. Because he's unchanging. 
and what he does. Ah, that's amazing. Why is his love and kindness greater than life? Because life is a series of man's choices. We, we ain't had a choice in, in this uh, uh, stolen election. Just one that you know who's Solomon. And uh, we, we ain't had a choice in this stolen election. We ain't had a choice in who, who's uh, up there. And, and we had a choice. And a lot of things we, is out of our choice. But God's loving kindness is His choice. It's His choice. We are so blessed with so many young families in this, in this, in this church. Can I help you, gentlemen? Can I help you? If you'll make a decision, one-time decision, I'm going to love my wife, period. If she does what I want or she don't do what I want. Then a woman can keep up with what I want done. Not a one. If you lived with me, you, you'd be, you probably wouldn't. Probably wouldn't. It takes a special woman to live with me. Because I'm telling you, I'm always doing, always thinking, always wanting to get something done. Do you realize this? 45 years ago, I told her, I do, and I said, we'll never divorce. Divorce will never be in, on the table of our lives, and it's not been. Death has come up a couple times, but not, not divorce. <laughs> not divorce. You know why? Because God told me to. Wives, if you give your husband respect and position, he's that's rightfully his. According to the word of God, submit yourself to your own husband as unto the Lord. You make your life happy. The reality is, life is a series of man's choices, but God's loving kindness is God's choice. Life is sometimes disappointing. We've all had our disappointments. God's loving kindness is never disappointing. Life is temporary. Something's happening now in our church. I've been here long enough that I knew it was going to happen, and now it's starting to happen. A couple of weeks ago, I buried Miss Edith, oldest church member of our church, 96. Yesterday, I buried Willie May. She was 86. Brother George's steps are getting slow. James and Jean are not to the place they one time was and some others. And I'm, I'm starting to, to bury those that were here when I started. And, and it's brought to the reality life is so temporary. But God's loving kindness is eternal. He never stops. In life or in death, David recognized the importance of God in his life because God has been my help. Psalms 12, 1, I will lift up my eyes into the hills from which cometh my help. There has to be a personal aspiration for God, a present anticipation. Step three, a persistent appreciation. And number four, step four, and this is order, a praise and adoration for God. 
Notice what he said. Notice what he said. I will lift up my hands. Now, help me out. When a crook lifts his hands, what you saying? I surrender. It's the same in the Bible. When we lift our hands, you know, some of you seem to be very familiar with the lifting hands things and the crook things and kind of bothers me. When we lift our hands, we're saying to God, as we praise Him with lifted hands, we're saying, I surrender. One of the reasons there's not an adoration for God is because we don't surrender. I'm not going to lift my hand. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. What you're saying is, God, I'm rebelling, I'm rebelling, I'm rebelling, I'm rebelling. And you can't rebel and lift your hands and praise at the same time. It's like saying, you get stopped and say, raise your hands. You can't leave them down and raise them at the same time. It's either one or the two. Lifted hands. Many in our church, while I'm a preacher, there's songs, I see their hands goes up. What they're saying to God Almighty is, I surrender to you today. And I want to praise you. It's an act of surrender. One of the reasons there's not a God consciousness because it's never an act of surrender. Oh, and then what comes next after the surrender is a mouth that praises thee. First Chronicles 29, Now therefore our God, we thank thee and praise thy glorious name. Psalm 60 says, Let the people praise thee, O God, that all the people praise thee. You say, well, I'm just not made that way. Now you're lying through your teeth. I've seen you at a ball game. Get it! Get it! Run, run, run! Act like idiots. I've seen it. I remember, I remember, how many remembers wrestling when he used to come on? How many watch people wrestle while wrestling's on? See, the reality is, it all depends on what's in our heart. But we ought not be ashamed. We ought not be ashamed to praise God. We was with, I was in college, we went with a bunch of fellers and, and, and I've learned to appreciate this. We went out to a restaurant and asked one of them young preacher boys, he's just brand new, and I said, boy, pray. He said, okay. He fell out right now. Now to the Lord I pray. <laughs> and we all got tickled at him. But the truth is, he wasn't ashamed of the God that he served. How many of you done some hollering at the TV last week? Don't, don't, don't say nothing. It'd be okay. Nobody won't know. But the reality is, for thou art my God, I will praise thee. Thou art my God, I will exalt thee. See, there's something. 
He had a personal aspiration for God, a present anticipation, a persistent appreciation, a present adoration. But here's what I want you to get to. Those four things lead to a perpetual awareness of God. I, when I remember thee upon my bed and meditate on thee in the night watches. Here's what he's saying. When I go to bed tonight, my last thought is going to be on you. If I wake up in the midnight hour, my thoughts are going to be on you. If I wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning, my thought is going to be on you. He said, no matter what I do, where I'm at, he said, my thought is going to be on you. He says, I want a perpetual. I want a constant. I was driving the other day. This message was birthed while I was driving. I was in a truck by myself. I just cut off the radio. And I found myself just thanking God for how good He is to our family. I thanked Him for salvation. I thanked Him for just being good to us. I thanked Him for just... And the more I thanked Him, the more I wanted to thank Him. And I just started praying and just asking Him. I said, Lord, I just want to know You're with me every day that I live. First time I preached... First time I preached in this church, I sat on that pew, and this was my prayer. Lord, in a few minutes, I'm going to get up and try to preach. Please don't leave me by myself. If you leave me by myself, I don't have a chance. Now talk bad about you and me both. That was my prayer. I, was, I remember it like yesterday. I said, God, please, don't leave me there by myself. And last night, I was reminded again, please, God, don't leave me there by myself. Because without you, we can do nothing. Many of you work in a factory. Once you get tired of going by yourself, once you start taking him with you. Of course, you can't cuss like a sailor taking him with you. Because he won't hang around with his language like that. You drive a truck. Why don't you just take him with you in the truck? You gotta work at a hospital or wash cars. Or just whatever you do. Why don't you just take him with you? Well, where'd I get him? Well, you can get him this morning. You can find your place in this altar. Or if you're more comfortable with your pew, I don't care. Won't you just ask him to go with you? We have this perpetual awareness that he's with us no matter where we are because the reality is he is. He is. 
I want to close with just one final thought. What makes this so challenging is we're living in the midst of a people that have a seared conscience. Timothy said, now the Spirit speaks especially that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisies, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Now if you've got a seared conscience, oh my goodness, you're in trouble. We, we must have this awareness in the midst of a people that's devoid of character, speaking lies and hypocrisy. They're void of a conscience. Their conscience has been seared with a hot iron. They have no conscience. And so that's the midst of the world we're living in. God says, but for you, dear saint, dear Christian, I want you to have a perpetual awareness of me. Wow. So I'll stand to her feet. Every head bowed and every eye closed.